Welcome to the Word from St. Andrews, the weekly preaching podcast of St. Andrews Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Pastor D. Vaughn. I pray that this week's sermon will help you experience a life-giving and life-directing message from God. Give these next few minutes to Him that you may hear the Word from St. Andrews. Thank you all. Thank you. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 15, this verse is in the middle of an argument story, which is also a healing story, but it points to a moment that I want us to grasp and focus on because of what it can teach us about our ministry of helping others come to see Jesus for themselves. Mark chapter 9 verse 15 reads, As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. One of the great joys and blessings of my life is having two of my grandchildren in our church's wonderful weekday preschool. So just three or four times a week, I pick up Juliana and James from their classes at about four o'clock and bring them over to my office for a little papa time before Josh arrives about 425 to take them home. Those 25 minutes are spent in a variety of ways. Jules and James always stop by Miss Crystal's desk to say hello to her. James sometimes decides he wants to sit on top of Miss Crystal's desk and help her reorganize it. She's a very good sport. Now, Jules lobbies almost every day to be allowed to watch a video in Papa's office in the genre that she calls toy Paw Patrol. Now, these are not actual episodes of the Paw Patrol cartoon, but videos of children playing with Paw Patrol toys. I think these videos inspire her as she creates her own storylines to play with her own Paw Patrol toys when she gets home. If she wants to watch the video on Papa's computer, she sits in my desk chair. If she's more in the mood to be more reclusive and watch it on an iPad, she makes the knee space of my desk her little cave, and she goes in there and watches it. And if she's feeling particularly artsy, she'll color a picture while she's watching. Well, meanwhile, James runs literally from one thing to the next. He knows which cabinet holds a tiny soccer ball and a Mr. Potato Head and often pulls them out if he intends to play with them or not. He enjoys practicing climbing up and down on every piece of furniture in my office. Sometimes he celebrates a successful climb by exclaiming, I did it, I did it, you did it, yeah. Some days he has a hankering to play Papa's guitar. I'm so proud. One of his first words is guitar. So we sit on the sofa and play 
until he decides to drop the pick into the sound hole of the guitar and say, "Uh uh-oh, as though it were an accident, and it never is, then our music making changes quickly to a rescue and recovery kind of a game where we shake the guitar upside down to get the pick to come out of the sound hole again. Well, I have so many sweet memories of my two little ones in my office at the end of the workday. But one of the things that often happens during that time became a moment of revelation for me. One of those times when God spoke to me through one of the simple rhythms of life, as he so often does. I want to share what I experienced with you because I think it has great meaning for one of the things Christ has called us to do as his disciples, inviting others to share the good things of God we so richly enjoy. Well, this part of my Papa time routine with James happened somewhat by accident. It began that way. We had climbed, he had rather, with a little grandfatherly assistance up on the love seat in my office. As he crawled around exploring this new part of his kingdom and seeing what he could reach and capture, including the lampshade on the end table next to it, I glanced through the window behind the love seat and noticed that Josh had just pulled up in the circle outside the office to pick up his kids. Well, I hurried and raised the blinds a little, and I turned James and I said, Look out the window. Look out this window. Well, he seemed to recognize the car, and he was interested in what he saw. But then when his dad got out of the car, it became visible to this tiny observer James jumped up and down with excitement, almost falling off the love seat. He even put his hand up against the window as though to say, Hey, I know that guy. I tapped on the window, hoping to get Josh's attention before he made his way into the building. He heard the tapping and looked our way. He saw his son looking at him, his little face beaming with a smile. Josh had the presence of mind to realize this was a scene he wanted to remember. So he grabbed his cell phone out of his pocket as fast as a gunslinger drawing his pistol in an old western movie. He took a picture that has become one of my very favorites. James is smiling because he sees his dad. Though not seen in this picture, Josh too is smiling because he sees his precious son recognizing him and reaching out to him in joy and anticipation. And I'm smiling at this moment too. Not just because I love my son and my grandson, and I do, but because I got to play a part in helping something very special happen. I was happy to be the guy who said to that little boy, Hey, look out this window. Someone who loves you is here. He's coming to be with you. He's coming to take you in his arms so you can set out on a wonderful journey together. You've been hearing a lot about Friend Day, a special outreach emphasis of our church. 
Next Sunday, November 5th, we're asking you to bring a friend with you to Bible study and worship. What we're asking isn't easy. I realize that, especially for some of us. There are things we know how to do because we do them often in church. We know how to bring canned goods to help feed people who don't have enough to eat. We know how to bring school supplies to help our friends at rain. We know how to raise money for any of a number of urgent needs. We know how to take casseroles to people in our community who need the, the love and the ministry of that good food. Our deacons deliver Easter lilies and Christmas poinsettias to our homebound members. These things, very important. But as important as they are, they're not so hard for us because they're familiar. They're almost routine. They're part of the ongoing rhythm of the life of our church. But asking someone outside our church to come inside, that's something altogether different. It's frightening. Seems risky. The effort comes with no guarantee of success. Then why do it? That's what I want us to think about today. First this. Jesus tells us to take the initiative to bring people into his kingdom. After working in manufacturing for many years, my dad began a second career in sales. And when he talked about the differences between his two careers, he would sometimes say, when I worked in the plant, the work came to me. I just had to be there. But now that I am in sales, I have to take what I have to offer out to people. My effectiveness depends on me taking the initiative to build bridges to others. I can't sit around waiting for them to come to see me. In the parable of the great banquet, the master of the household prepares a big feast and sends out a sincere invitation for many people in his life to attend. Now you'd think, you know, free food, big banquet, that would probably be enough to fill his house, but it's not. Inviting and waiting just isn't working. Guest after guest send their regrets and name their excuses for not coming to the banquet table. That's when the master of the house changes his approach. He tells his servant, one who's probably worked very hard to prepare the banquet hall and the banquet feast, to now do something more, to go to people even very unlikely people, and bring them to his banquet table so that he may share his feast with as many people as possible. In that story, Jesus has the master saying, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes, the out-of-the-way places, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now many of us who are here already do our best to prepare a feast for those who come to this table. 
We do it because our Master has fed us so well here, and we know He has an abundance He wants to share with many, many more people. But like the servants in Jesus' story, we've come to realize that preparing a feast and waiting for our invited guests to come isn't working. We hear every excuse in the book. I know. But the truth is, many people in our world today aren't looking for a church. They're not looking for a church any more than I'm looking for a tattoo parlor. I don't need one. And they don't know that they need Christ. They don't know that they need his family. Like my dad, we must start a new career with a new approach. We can't just set the table, unlock the door, and wait for people to come. We must take our master's invitation to people. Our master is telling us to go out to people and bring them into his banquet of grace. And that's because of a great truth we've got to grasp. God's kingdom grows not by attraction, but by connection. Imagine that you want to harvest corn from a field. So you take your basket, fine basket, and go out into the middle of the field and place it there and leave it overnight. And you come back the next morning, and of course there's no corn in the basket. So you say, you know, I need to do something different. This isn't working, right? So you think, you know what I need is a better basket, a more attractive basket. So you trade that one for that beautiful sweet water, uh, sweet, sweet grass basket you got from Charleston that costs so much, and, and you bring it out and you put it in the middle of the field and you wait another night and you come back and there's no corn in the basket. You say, hmm. maybe, maybe if I put a bow on it, and string a balloon to it, big latex balloon. That ought to do it. You know it won't work, right? The basket's not the issue. The approach is the issue. You don't harvest corn by putting a pretty enough basket in the middle of the field. You have to work the field. You go up and down each row, and you touch that corn yourself, and you harvest it. You personally connect with it to bring it in. Now, we see very clearly that you don't attract corn. But in our day, we've got to learn that we don't attract people either. Jesus said this about his kingdom and his kingdom's work in Matthew 9. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, sometimes when we talk about experiencing growth in our church and in God's kingdom, we use the language of attraction. 
We want to place a better basket in the field of our community, hoping that'll cause the corn to jump into the basket. You know, we need to update our church sign, and we do, and that's in process. We need to send out social media posts every day. Well, we're doing that more than ever. We need to improve the appearance of the exterior of our buildings. Yeah, we've got some things we could work on there. We need a new program. We need a new group. We need a new staff member. And on and on we go. Don't get me wrong. All of that matters. All of that plays a part in the experience people have when they are here. And we want it to be a warm welcome. And we want them to sense that what we do here matters to us because we do our best. But we can do all those things and not grow. A harvest doesn't happen because you have the most beautiful basket in the field. God's kingdom grows, not through attraction as much as connection. You and I must go through our field our God-given network of relationships. Touch lives. Connect to people. And bring them to the window. Bring them to the place where they can see Jesus for themselves. You bring them to the place where you can say, look through here. Look from here. And see the one who loves you and is here to share his life with you. Here's some good news as you reach out. If we bring people to the window, their glimpse of Christ will do the rest. What makes inviting and bringing friends to Bible study and worship so difficult for many of us is our idea that somehow if we bring them, we have to fix them. We get the idea, you know, if I invite my friend to come with me Sunday to Bible study and to worship, then I've got to be prepared to answer every question they have about God and the Bible and I have to be ready to help them heal every spiritual wound they've suffered. And then I've got to, you know, close the sale somehow. I've got to convince them that they've got to be here. No, you don't. No, you don't. When I brought my little James to the office window, I didn't have to convince him to love his dad or that his dad loved him. I didn't have to convince him to get excited that his father was nearby. I just brought him to the window, and the love that was already there did the rest. I was minister at a wedding not long ago. You know, weddings bring friends and family together from many places many out of town and so forth. So I was introduced to one lady, a sister of the bride, and, and the bride said, yeah, this is my sister. And she lives in Columbia. She scowled a little bit that the bride had rat ratted her out on being local because she knew what pastors like to do and they find out people are local. So the sister looked at me and said, 
Well, now that you know I live in Columbia, I guess you're going to put the pressure on me to attend your church. She was surprised by my answer. I replied, no, I'm not. I hope you'll worship here sometime. I'm confident you'd be very welcomed. I think you'd be blessed. But I leave the calling to God. If God leads you here, I believe you'll have a great spiritual home. You remember what Jesus said about his saving work in John 12? He said, and I, Jesus... When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. We don't draw people to Christ. He does. Our part is to bring them to the window. To bring them to the place and the people where they can see Jesus. How he loves them. How he's coming to them. How he wants to embrace them and take them on a journey with him. That will never end. Lord Jesus. Right now may we come to the window. And see you there. To see your loving face, to see that you're drawing near to us, that you've come to embrace us and set out on a journey with us. And may we welcome your voice, may we accept your invitation, may we follow you. Amen.